Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today I'm flying solo on the podcast. And I wanted to take a few minutes with you here to offer some 2020 reflections and look ahead to a brighter future 2021. Let's get started. G'day everyone, I trust that you're well and you're working towards your goals and doing whatever it takes to break through and to succeed. Now if this is your first time here at the Goal In Podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here and if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here on the Goal In Show. Thank you for your loyalty and thanks for spending your precious time with me here on the podcast today. Now, before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some go all in love right there in your pocket. Now, after a year or so of people asking me to create more content, I've decided to create the Go All In exclusive. These are exclusive members-only podcasts where my guests and I go much deeper into mastering the art and the science of going all in. This world-class content is the shortest path to your success, so come on over and join today. It's just $15 per month, and you'll have access to a wide variety of new Go All In podcasts and episodes and content. Pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive to find out more. Lastly, I wanted to ask if you could help me out today. In return, I'm going to give you a copy of my best-selling masterclass called Master Your Mind and Go All In. The masterclass is the culmination of 15 years of business experience coupled with 10 years in the military. This is by far my best work with nine video-based modules and more than four hours worth of training. And that's going to get you moving towards your goals and targets much faster than trying to do it on your own. The masterclass is worth $149 and you can get yours for free when you subscribe, share, and leave a review for the Go All In podcast. All you need to do is to pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. Okay, let's get into today's show. everyone can you believe it we made it today is the 31st of december 2020 and uh, at some point i didn't think that we were going to see uh, this day uh, it's been certainly been one of the most challenging years of our collective lives in fact i almost didn't make it to the end of this year which is pretty reflective in and of itself but I always say that things can always be worse, so no harm and no foul, I say. I'm still here and still kicking along, which is uh, good news for me and for my family as well. So 2020 has been the year that each and every one of us has had to go all in like never before. And I think 2021 will be even more so, actually. I think next year will be even more challenging than the year that we've just experienced and faced Now, I believe it's really important that you take some time to reflect upon 2020 and use the start, stop, continue drill to prepare yourself as the calendar ticks over into 2021 in just a couple of hours. Now, I'm not really a a big fan or a big user of New Year's resolutions, so to speak, because I'm pretty goal focused all the time. I don't have to do it at the start of the year. 
What I am a fan of is the debrief. And I like to do a debrief throughout my day, throughout my week, and throughout my month. And today on this podcast, I'm going to do the debrief for the year for myself as I see it. And I'm going to share it with you, ladies and gentlemen of my audience. So I always start these debriefs by asking myself three things, and they are this. So the debriefing process is to look at your results, the reasons why you got those results, and your response to them. Now, it might sound like an oversimplification to reviewing something, but that's the whole point, right? You can use the 3R debrief method to identify exactly where you are. And when you overlay the start, stop, continue drill, that's going to help you to make some decisions about where you should be heading and most importantly, why. So as I reflect upon the Goal In podcast for this year, I've redesigned the show from the ground up. I've really enjoyed that process in the last couple of months. I've introduced a slightly different format and a new way of recording it. And I've got a much, much better mechanism for distribution. And that's really helped me to grow my download numbers. And the point of the point of growing the download numbers is to not to be more popular, but it's to reach more people with the goal in message, which is enormously satisfying for me. The whole point of creating this show is to share the knowledge and information that I have and that my guests have as well. So the new distribution method that I've got is certainly reaching more people and it's certainly helping me to increase those download, download numbers, which is great. Over the year, I recorded more than 70 podcasts, and I almost can't believe that. It feels like a lot more. It feels like about 700, actually. But each show that I record takes about an hour of preparation, and it takes about an hour or so to record, and then there's all the admin in post-production and distribution and circulation. That's about another hour or so. So over the year, I ended up spending around two to 300 hours worth of work behind the microphone, and I've got to say that I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed every moment of it and I can't wait to double down on that in 2021. That's one of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to be recording a whole lot more and I've got a couple of other podcasts that are kicking off as well, which I'm really excited about. They're great projects. So it's kind of nonstop time behind the microphone for myself and I created that I created that role and that thing that I love to do in my life and it just doesn't feel like work. So I'm wondering, do you have that in your life? Do you have something that you do and you love that happens to be your job that uh, doesn't feel like work? I'm, I'm lucky I've been able to create that for myself here with this podcast and the other ones that I've got going as well. This year, once again, in with the Goal In Show and this business, I've been so fortunate to meet really incredible people. And some of those people are, have been just an absolute inspiration to me. And they've got stories that have been in some ways pretty astounding, really. But the common thread, and the common thread through all the people that I, I interview and I speak to is their determination to go all in and to succeed. And by the time they're talking to me on the podcast, they're on the other side of the challenges that they've faced. And they have indeed broken through, which is a reminder that it can be done and it's worth all of the struggle. The message in all of these stories is that no matter how tough things get, you just need to stick with whatever it is that you're working on just a little bit longer than you think you can. And if you do, you'll be rewarded because on the other side of all that hard work and effort is everything that you want. And in the 70 or so episodes that I recorded this year, that definitely was the common theme. For me, the standout show for this year, the one that, the one that really inspired me in the last six months or so was with Dane Reese, and that was on episode 148. 
as an actor and a dancer and as a professional entertainer, Dane knows exactly what it means to go all in. And what I mean by that is that every audition that he goes for is do or die because every performance that he does at these auditions has to be the very best of his life. So if you haven't heard that episode, I really encourage you to pop on over and check it out. And I'll put the link in the show notes for you to make it nice and nice and easy for you to find. So the biggest takeaways for me from his episodes were you've just got to go for it. Auditioning for something and he explains that he explains it to me that when you're auditioning for something, it you can't really focus on what happened previously. You can't think about your last audition you didn't get. And you can't really control what's about to happen to you. So you've really got to go for it in the moment. And I love that so much. So make sure you just pop on over and check out Dane's episode. That's episode 148. And the link's right there in the show notes for you. So there's some bigger things coming in 2021 for the Goal In Podcast. As you know, there's now an exclusive members-only show, which is called The Goal In Exclusive. And you can find the link to that also in the show notes. And I've been working really hard to build out these exclusive episodes and I'm bringing you my very best over there. And it's the, it's the very best of my guests as well. That show is practical, it's fun, it's engaging. And my guests and I go a little bit deeper on the show that it's got a slightly different format as well. And each and every show is designed to leave you with some really super practical steps that you can take away each and every listen And that's going to help you to close the gap from where you are and get you to where you want to be. So come on over and check out the Go All In exclusive. Hey there, Rob Russ here, and thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like what you're listening to here on the podcast, then I'd like to invite you to join my guests and I for some exclusive members-only episodes of the Go All In podcast. In these exclusive episodes, we go much deeper into the topics, and in the process, we uncover the fastest way for you to close the gap from where you are and get you to where you want to be. And we do this by helping you to master the art and the science of going all in. When you join, you'll also have access to the Ask Me Anything episodes and have the opportunity to be featured and to share your story on the Go All In podcast as well. Join today for just $15 per month to gain exclusive access to this world-class content produced just for you. Visit goallin.com.au and click on the tab that says exclusive content. I'll see you on the inside. Well, like all businesses this year, 2020, I felt the shock of COVID more from the uncertainty that surrounded everything that was happening than anything else, really. The photography business that my partner Sue and I have has completely stopped. All the weddings, the events, everything that we've kind of have in that business came to a grinding halt, which is totally crippled a billion dollar industry here in Australia, not to mention not to mention ruining thousands of people's wedding plans. But one good thing came out of all of that extra time was the redesign of the photography website, which has been on the cards for a little while. It's been one of those things that just, we never quite got there, but 
now we're now we're there. The the site's done. It's finished, and we've got it the way that we want it to. And it's just going to build from there. And you can check it out at suewhitephotography.com. And Sue and I have also been working on a podcast as well, which has been a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, we got a little niche that we carved out for ourselves called, and we've called the show the Getting Married in Sydney podcast because that's what we've been doing. Uh, and helping clients for so many years. So we know all the little tips, tricks, hints, places to go and all that sort of stuff. Lots of interviews and it's a whole lot of fun doing a a podcast about a completely different business, which is a lot of fun. So I guess the moral of the story is when life gives you lemons, you just got to make lemonade, which is what we've definitely done with that business. And things are slowly turning around. There's a little bit of inquiry here and there, but I think there's a, a long way to go before we're anything near what used to resemble normal in the wedding industry and the photography space. And I'm thinking that it's not really gonna go back to normal until at least after winter next year. So in quarter number three of next year on the calendar is what I'm thinking. So when I look back at the year in the photography business, I've been pretty humbled by it. And I've been humbled that, I've been humbled in a bad way, I suppose. I've been humbled that everything that we've built over the last 16 years has been taken away from us. And it's pretty much been lost because of the Chinese Communist Party and their failure to control the outbreak. Yes, I blame them for it. And if they hadn't have lied and they had have done the right thing, then our country, our economy, and the shape of the way the world is today would be completely different. It's humbling to lose everything that you've worked for over 16 years, but I'm, I'm a little bit lucky. I consider myself lucky because it's one of those businesses that will recover. And that's because there's very little overhead or outgoing costs associated with it. So once the events start to kick off again and weddings start to kick off again, I'm certain that things will turn around for us in that business. And I'm hopeful for what's ahead in 2021 for that aspect of my life and business. And it's it's interesting to reflect upon your reactions and your behavior around a difficult situation. That's not something that I ever thought would happen to the photography business. And I, I never thought that the business would be shut up the way that it has been because of the reason of, of COVID or something like that. I just never envisaged something like that. I planned for a rainy day plenty of times, but that was a rainy day that I never envisaged. So I'm pretty happy that I couldn't have done much more than I did over that time when I look back and I reflect upon it. And the good thing is that we're still forging ahead in spite of all of that uncertainty that lies ahead of us, which is kind of good. It's promising and it's hopeful. Now, there were several other business opportunities that came my way during the year. And as I reflect back on all of that, none of it really amounted to anything but me wasting huge amounts of time, really. Um, But I had lots of time to spend on these things, so I suppose it's not really a waste and things don't always work out. But when I look back at those business opportunities and I use the debriefing process myself, the three R's, I look at it like this. So the first, the first, remember it goes result, reason, response. So the first one is result. What was the result? Well, the results sucked. They were terrible because nothing happened and I wasted huge amounts of time, actually. The reason, well, this is, this is a bit of a bitter pill to swallow and it's hard for me to kind of say out loud here on a podcast and it's hard for me to admit it. But I think the reason that it didn't really work and I wasted a bunch of time is because I let people take advantage of my kind and giving nature But when the rubber meets the road and they actually have to do something, 
they don't do anything and they don't step up to the plate and they didn't step up to the plate and they they didn't deliver or do what it is that they say they would but instead they expected me to do it for them so i was just scratching my head wondering what the hell so what's my response to all of that the result is terrible the reason is it's my fault i'm taking ownership of it the reason is i'm no longer going to sorry the response is i'm no longer going to give away my ip my skills or my knowledge for free to try and work a deal. Instead, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna place much more value on my time and my skills, and I'm gonna get paid for what it is that I'm worth, and not just help people out because I'm a good guy and I'm trying to work a deal. So sadly, these deals that I had the opportunity to be part of and, and to work on, they failed and they amounted to nothing nothing happened as a result of them. And that's okay for me because you just never know unless you give things a proper try. You gotta you got have a crack at stuff, right? You gotta go all in and see if things are gonna work. And I never really dwell on the things that don't work. I just chalk it up to a, a life lesson and I try and move on straight away. I don't spend any time thinking about, oh, maybe I should have stuck with it a bit longer. I shouldn't have done this. There's a, there comes a point in every deal and every opportunity, there comes a time when no matter what you do, it's not working. And if it's not feeling right for you, you've just got to let it go and, and move forward. And when you decide to do that, because, and it's not about quitting either, it's about making smart decisions and foreseeing the future and playing that game of chess 50 moves ahead, if you can see that far ahead, because what you're doing here is not working downstream so let it go now don't waste any more time on it don't spend good money after bad don't keep don't think that you can keep doing the same things and expecting a different result it's just life doesn't work like that so i try not to dwell on these things that don't work and there's just no point in feeling sorry for myself in any aspect of that part of my life so i don't i just chalk it up and and move on what's disappointing and what's been disappointing for me this year however is that once i decided these deals were just dead ducks and they were duds the people that I was in these deals with that I thought were my friends, they just vanished. And it seems it seems like when these people can't acquire what I have for free off me, they don't want to know me. Which also shows me that they weren't really my friends in the first place. And that's a bit of a bit of pill to swallow. Maybe that's a bit of a self-centered view. I don't know. Maybe there's other reasons I haven't heard from them. There's no communication, anything. But like the deals not working, I just don't dwell on any of it. There's just absolutely no point in feeling sorry for myself or saying, woe is me, or I thought they were my friends, or whatever, I just put it behind me and I move on. So good lessons learnt for me this year, but um, in reflecting and, and preparing for this podcast, I'm wondering if the kindness that I have and the desire to see other people succeed has been my most, or I've been my own worst enemy in that sense. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've seen myself make similar mistakes and similar deals with similar sorts of people. So maybe it is so that, that I am my own worst enemy because I just want to see other people succeed, but it seems to be at my own cost. Either way, either way, I've set a new benchmark for myself because there's no point in dwelling upon what's happened. I can't change it. The most important thing is that I, that I keep moving forward and I give myself more opportunities and what I've done is I've said to myself, no, no more so-called deals with my mates and no more working for free because someone can't pay me for my time. And that's the first filter that will stop 
history repeating itself and it seems pretty obvious why didn't I do that well I'm not really sure to be honest because I think I just want deals to work and I want to see other people succeed and I want to succeed as well so I just go for it I just dive in and go all in but I'm always humbled by these things not working and when you get humbled by something like that you don't lose you learn and that learning helps me to make better decisions and one way that I plan on making better decisions is introducing those filters to stop it so as I as I look ahead to 2021 and the opportunities on the horizon there's about five or six of them so far just it's a constant constant flow of deals that come to me and I've got to filter those things and decide what I want to be part of and you know what what's going to work for me and what won't but the benchmark I've set for myself in 2021 as it relates to deal making and business opportunities is that unless unless it's based on recurring income from day one and there's documents in place ensuring that I get paid meaning I'm remunerated for my time in the front end of the deal then I'm just not going to entertain any of it and I think they're two really simple filters there's two simple filters that you can use that will ensure that things don't become a success and if they don't become successful that's okay at least I've been remunerated for my time and I don't have that opportunity cost that's kind of killing me there so I guess that's the the small regret that I've had over 2020 is that opportunity costs has kind of bit me on the bum a little bit so I'm wondering what went wrong for you in 2020 what did you and and what is it that you resolved to fix in 2021 like you made a mistake and you're like my god I can't believe I made that same mistake I'm not gonna let that happen again let me know via the AMA page and the link to the AMA page is right there in the show notes and I'd love to know I'd love to know what filters that you've got in place for yourself as well maybe there's something that I can kind of borrow there from you as well and and help me out that'd be great I'd love to know so pop it on the AMA page and let me know now like you I also spent what felt like half of the year on zoom calls mostly work-related for me but occasionally um, I had a couple of social zoom calls and skypes and google hangouts and whatnot and as I reflect upon the people that I connect with that I connected with really at a much deeper level I feel a I feel a deep gratitude for their kindness and for their love and again I'm, I'm humbled and I feel blessed to have such wonderful people in my life especially in those tough times of lockdown that was hard for a lot of people it's really hard for a lot of people human connection is important and we all need that in as many forms as possible so i'm grateful to all of the people that stayed connected with me especially during those trying times Now, you may or may not know, I mentioned it in a couple of other podcasts, in some interviews that I did with some other people, but in the middle of the year, uh, just when we all thought 2020 couldn't suck anymore or get any worse, it got actually got a whole bunch worse for me. In fact, I thought for a moment or two in the middle of the year that it might be the end for me. So <laughs> the story goes like this. I was out one winter's afternoon. It was a stunning winter's afternoon here in Sydney, spearfishing just around the corner from where I live. If you don't know, that's one of my favourite pastimes, especially given I live 50 metres from the beach. It had been a a perfect afternoon. I had two really decent-sized fish for dinner, and it was getting dark. 
Um, so it's time to get out of the water. And as I got out of the water and I gathered up all of my equipment and my gear, like I've done a thousand times before, I made my way towards the beach and the path. And I kind of like, as I was swimming towards the shore, um, I was sort of angling towards the path. So I didn't have to walk very, very far to get kind of off the beach, if you like. The problem was that as, I was, as I'm swimming to the beach where I would normally get out of the water, there's actually no beach because there'd been a, a whole bunch of really rough weather that had washed away all of the sand that would normally be there. Normally the, the beach, I guess, from the, from the cliff edge where it is at the bottom of the cliff to, uh, to the waterline would be about 20 metres deep, I suppose. But all of that sand was all gone and the whole beach was just rocks. And I could see that it was going to be tricky to get out of the water. Like, where am I going to get out of the water? Because normally you just get out on the beach, you know, kind of take my, take my fins off and walk out on the beach and then make my way up the path and I'm done. But there was no beach. It was all rocks. <clears throat> and I couldn't, you just, you can't tell by looking at something how slippery it is. And especially in the dark, as it was getting dark, I, I definitely couldn't tell how slippery it was. Anyway, as I moved out of the water line uh, to take my first step up, so I gathered all my gear, I got out of the water, I had my, my spear gun and my fins and my mask in, my, in one hand, I had the fish in the other hand, my weight belt. I stepped up about waist high onto a rock that was in front of me. Uh, like I lifted up my right foot and I, and I stood all the way up. So just imagine, um, you know, think of your waist about your hip high, belly button high. I, I stepped up, I put my hands forward, I leaned on the rock and I, I, I stepped up, you know, no big deal. I'm not really sure what happened from here, but I think what happened was as I stood up, my right foot slipped out from under me. So I hadn't even put my left foot down. So I stood all the way up, I slipped. And as I slipped, I fell forward and onto my left side and I landed squarely on my ribs on my left side. And it happened so quickly. It happened just like in a flash. And it happened so quick that, I, like I said, I'm not really 100% sure what happened. Luckily I didn't hit my head because I landed, so, sort of fell down and back because I slipped. And I, I didn't hit my head or my face, but I definitely landed squarely on my ribs. And that was extremely painful, as you could appreciate. Now, we've all played sport. We've all played ball sports when we were kids. or maybe Some of us still play ball sports when we're adults. And at some point, you've probably been hit in the guts with a ball and maybe a little bit winded. But this was not like being winded. This was the biggest winding of my life. I fell, when I fell, I must have fallen about a meter and a half onto the rocks below me. And then I fell backwards into the surf behind me. I was lucky I didn't hit my head as I fell backwards because there was all rocks there as well. But I actually fell back into the water. And I knew something was wrong immediately because I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't breathe. Like I, could, I could breathe, but I couldn't get a full breath and something was not right. Like, I just, you just know something's not right. And I definitely couldn't stand up because I tried to get up and I couldn't lay down because I was in the water and I couldn't lay back. So I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lay down. I could, I having a real hard time breathing and I was on the shoreline with the waves lapping up at my ass. So I tried to stand up, but there was no way that I could climb up the rocks that were in front of me that I just fell off with the injury that I just had. So it was, I, I didn't know what to do, actually. But what do you do? I, I just kind of, I took it, I, I was on my knees and I kind of just leant forward. It was like, oh my God, 
just kind of crouching onto my left side, trying to and guarding on that left side. If you could imagine somebody on their knees doing that, and I leant forward onto the rock that was in front of me that I just fell off, and I kind of hugged it. Then I sat there for a minute, and I was, I was just a little bit pissed off, to be honest. I couldn't believe that I'd been so clumsy, and just like, man, I can't believe that just happened to me. And then I was having a real hard time breathing, and just for a moment, I thought to myself. There's just no way that this is how it ends. My life doesn't end here. This is just just bullshit. No way. And I just could just feel how I could just feel this level of frustration that I'd never felt before in my life. And I wasn't angry with myself. I was just a bit angry that it had happened. You know, I'd slipped. It could happen to anybody. It's not a big deal. But it was. It's a funny thing that goes through your head when you're by yourself and something like that happens. Yeah. You know, as I. I, was sitting, I must have been sitting there for about 20 minutes trying to catch my breath and get my head, head straight. And as I was doing that, it's, the sun's gone down and it's, getting, it's like getting dark. And it's winter. I still got my wetsuit on, luckily, so I'm not cold at all, although the water was freezing cold. The water must have been, I don't know, 13 and a half, 14 degrees or something like that. But I was okay because I was in my wetty. Um, so I thought to myself, I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. I've got to try and get up and get the hell out of here. But... I felt like the longer I stayed there, the more labored my breathing became because I felt like I had some broken ribs. I never had broken ribs before, but it felt like, hey, something is really not right here. And I couldn't work out what was more painful was trying to move with what I thought was broken ribs or trying to breathe because both those things were incredibly painful. And I think both of those things were related to each other, of course. So I decided that breathing was the priority. And if I stayed there, that w- that might stop sooner rather than later. So where I'd stacked it, it was about 50 metres from the footpath that was above me. So I called out as hard as I could. I called out, help. Um, but it was, it was just kind of really weak and it's hard to... Think about when you're breathing, you know, you, you take a normal breath in I felt like I was getting about half the amount of air that I would normally get. So two breaths to every one of your breaths. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't muster a a loud enough like shout, but I I said it a few times and I must've said it loud enough. And um, gosh, I don't know how long it was. It wasn't very long after I called out a couple of times, this guy came down and he was like, hello, can I, say it again and I called out help a couple of times and um, he came over and and helped me out and um, my guardian angel called an ambulance and and the rest as they say is is history so it took around eight people to get me onto a stretcher and carry my sorry heavy busted ass up those tricky slippery rocks Um, so thank you to the firemen and the police rescue guys that came and helped me they did a a really great job um, and it was just no bother to him at all um, so it turned out after after all of that a trip to a hospital a little bit of morphine some ketamine and a little bit of a overnight sleep in the hospital I had a partially collapsed lung which explained my breathing trouble and it turns out that my wetsuit protected me from actually breaking my ribs which is good news if they weren't broken I really Gosh, I can't imagine how painful it would be to actually break your ribs for real. And as I sit here and I record this podcast for you six months later, I can still feel a slight amount of pain in my ribs. If I put my hand there and just press just ever so lightly, it's like, oh my God, that still hurts. 
So it's a crazy, it's a crazy injury to have. That's that's for sure. But oh, I'm back to, I'm back to normal health. I've been back in the gym for a long time. Um, in some ways, my fitness has improved out of sight. Um, the Ambos cut my, or the ER doctor cut my wetsuit off me. But a couple of days later, I went and bought a new wetsuit. I've been out spearfishing heaps. Um, I've been back to that place plenty of times. And really, at the end of the day, I was never in any real danger. I was a bit banged up from what had happened and I needed a bit of help. But at the time when I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move and it was getting dark and I thought maybe this is how it ends, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel, I don't remember feeling sad or disappointed. I just remember feeling a bit pissed off, thinking that there's no way that this is how it ends. And I guess that that's just a little bit of determination that you have. Each one of us has that inside of us and each one of us has that grit and determination and a little bit of mongrel in there going, no, that's not what this is. And I guess that's something that happens to you when you're on your own and something like this happens to you. Your head goes to a little bit of a different place than you thought it would. And I never, I never, I'll say it publicly, it doesn't really matter because it's, it's true. I never really thought about my kids or anything else about my life. Like, oh my God, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. Oh, I'm going to miss my kids because I was too pissed off that I'd slipped and I couldn't really move and I could hardly breathe. And I felt like I'd just been like banged up into submission. So it was an interesting experience for sure. There's no question about that. And I think there's been a few too many times in my life that I nearly bought the farm, so to speak. Had a few motorbike accidents, a parachute malfunction, a few near misses at work, uh, way too many times, actually, not a few, way too many near misses at work, you know, a second this way or a second that way, and a bunch of other things that have gone wrong, like all people, really. So, you know, I guess my reflection on on that near-death experience is what it felt like at the time, which wasn't really in the end. I guess that when it's your time to go, you'll go, and it just is what it is. So the start, stop, continue drill for this event is start watching what you're doing on Slippery Rocks. And maybe that's you too, listener. Make sure you're watching what you're doing on Slippery Rocks. Stop being complacent when you almost finish something. Finish it. See it all the way to its conclusion, then relax, and then you can take your foot off the accelerator and kind of take your eye off the ball if you need to and the final thing the continue part of the start stop continue drill is continue spearfishing don't don't give that up because of one little accident because of one little event or one little stack life is really short and you've got to do the things that bring you joy you need to follow your heart and you must you must take risks playing it safe never got anyone anywhere and playing it safe sure doesn't feel like living to me this little accident that I had, which is really what it was in the end, it's not a near-death experience, it's a little accident, it increased my desire for adventure and it's deepened, it's actually deepened my love for the ocean. I want to go spearfishing more than ever, even though that had happened to me. And the freedom that I feel in the adventure and just in the freedom that I have when I'm in the ocean is something that makes me feel truly alive and it's something that I'll do for the rest of my life. Finally today, I can't I can't reflect on 2020 and look to 2021 without addressing the CCP or the damn Chinese Communist Party. I can't help myself. 
And I can't help myself but to laugh at their absolute stupidity and their lack of understanding of history. Communism has never ever worked in any country, no matter how hard people have tried to enforce it. Because at the end of the day, you can never ever control what somebody is thinking and all communist regimes of the, of the past have fallen because you can't control the people. It always ends in revolution of some description. There's just a handful, you may not know, but there's just a handful of these basket case countries left. Cuba, North Korea, Vietnam, Laos, and China, of course. And I wonder, I wonder if any of these citizens really love their leaders and their governments like they pretend they do in the propaganda that you see. Call me crazy, but I doubt it. I believe that in 2021, and I'm going to make a prediction here for the future, you might not like it, but it's just a prediction and it's mine. I believe that we'll see a kinetic war with China in 2021. I believe that we'll be drawn into a conflict the likes of which we've never ever seen before. And the reason I see it, say that is because the drums of war in my view are beating loud and clear and it's something that most people just don't want to face up to and they don't want to do that because it's ugly and it's scary and it's just awful and it's all of those things all at the same time but stick with me here right because i was in the military for 10 years i was part of naval blockades i was in timor and i've been around this stuff my entire life and i've had a, a lifelong interest in this geopolitics and being on being part of it for real, wearing a uniform and being on the inside of it gives me a slightly different perspective. I'm not saying I'm, I'm right or I'm wrong. I'm just saying it's my perspective. But take a listen and tell me what you think. I'd love to hear your opinions and your view of it. If you think I'm crazy, tell me I'm crazy because I actually hope that I'm wrong. But I don't, I don't think that I'm wrong because all of the signs are pointing towards this and it's scary and it's, it's really scary. And the difference, the difference be between a conflict between China and us, everybody else that is, it's not like Iraq, Afghanistan or Syria where the war was fought from the air with special forces on the ground. Sure, there's plenty of conventional forces in those conflicts, but the vast majority of what you see and the footage you see is special forces. And this conflict will be really different because this is a naval-based conflict and I can speak from a, a deep level of experience and understanding here because I lived it and I was part of it and I've got really good understanding of tactics and, and how things happen. A naval, this will be a naval conflict like we've never ever seen before, but it will be coupled with cyber, with space, with sabotage and a whole bunch of other things that we've never seen before. The war in Syria, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, they were on their turf over there. But I think you'll find that this conflict will come right to your very front door. And that's a scary, alarming proposition. And if you think I'm crazy, no worries. I, I kind of accept that. It's just, remember, it's just my opinion and my view based on the reading that I've done. And I guess taking the temperature of, of the geopolitical situation. You know, I'm not an expert in this. I don't claim to be, but I've been in it and I've lived it. And I think I've got enough information and followed it long enough to sort of form an opinion about it. If you think that these people won't attack us on our own soil, then you're completely wrong because the terrorism that we've experienced in the last 20 years is proof 
that it comes right to our doorstep. But I think you'll find the scale of the attacks on our doorstep to be much bigger than Islamic extremism. And I think you'll find that it will be completely different as well because these folks aren't crazy. They're crazy, but not in the same way these Islamic fundamentalists are. It's quite different. So they'll be doing it with cyber. And, but the, net, the, the natural next step for them is physical attacks. They're already attacking us from a cyber perspective. They're already entrenched and ingrained within our institutions and our facilities and whatnot. The, net, the natural next step is physical attacks and sabotage to take over. And I don't believe that this war, this coming war, will be fought by our military alone. Instead, I, I believe that every single Australian will be called upon to play their part the same way they did in World War One and World War Two, but not in the way that you might be thinking. They're not going to call you up or you're going to be conscripted and you're going to be sent to mainland China to fight the hordes of Chinese communists coming over the hill like they did in Korea. The CCP, they don't fight on the same battlefield. And it's definitely not the same battlefield that we've seen in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan in the last 20 years. Warfare has evolved significantly and it's going to touch each and every one of us like never before. And that's why I think we'll be called upon to play our part in quite a different way than you could imagine. Now, it's a pretty grim view of 2021. I get it. And I don't want to put a downer on it. And it's a dire prediction, I know, and I hope with every fibre of my being, that I'm totally wrong. I hope that I'm completely incorrect. But here's the thing. The so-called leader for life of the CCP has proclaimed many times, in fact, that he wants to revive Stalin's version of communism. Now, Stalin was responsible for an estimated 20 million deaths in forced labour camps, famine, executions, and a whole bunch of really lovely stuff like that. And it's good to know that that person, Xi Jinping, wants to bring that back. That's his version of communism that he is seeking to impose on his people and the world. And don't forget, there's no war associated with that. There's Well, there's World War II that's associated with when he was there, but there was no other war associated with it outside of that. And if we've got someone like the leader for life, that jerk, saying that he wants to bring back Stalinist type communism and we're staring down the barrel of a war, what does that say about how many people are going to be on the receiving end of that? More than 20 million, I suggest. So there's a story out there that goes like this. And I just want to drive this point home and reiterate it to you because Xi Jinping has said that he wants to bring back Stalinist communism. So there's a story out there that goes like this. In 1935, Stalin held a live chicken in front of a perplexed group of people and he caused the chook incredible pain because he plucked all of the chicken's feathers out. Then he placed the traumatized and naked chicken on the ground in front of the people and he opened his hand and offered it some grain to eat. And Stalin's then reported to say, this is how easy it is to govern stupid people. They'll follow you no matter how much pain you cause them, as long as you throw them a little worthless treat once in a while. Now, is the story true? No one really knows for sure. But if it is, then it really highlights what an evil person he was. What was just awful. What an awful person he was. And the so-called leader for life of the CCP 
wants to bring that type of communism back. So at some point, whether you agree with me or not, you're going to have to face up to the fact that Xi Jinping said that he wants Stalin-type communism back, which was responsible for more than 20 million deaths. It doesn't matter if you live on the left or the right of politics. It doesn't matter if you think I'm crazy or you believe me. They're the facts. Xi Jinping said that and Stalin did that. So that's what we're staring down the barrel of. What I do know for sure, my opinions aside, is that even if you're listening to this and you're a little bit unsure about communist ideology, you don't know anything about communism because it's been a long time since we've really had to face up to the evil that it actually is, then all you need to do is to read the most important and the most influential book of the 20th century. And it's called The Gulag Archipelago. And it's written by a fellow named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And this book, it's Alexander's account of being taken off the front line of his artillery unit at the end of World War II. And what he did is he wrote a letter to one of his mates and a communist letter reader didn't like what he wrote. So they grabbed him, collared him and locked him up and threw him in the gulag. It's pretty hard reading, I have to say. It's pretty hard reading. The actual physical book is hard to read because you want to put it down because the, the stories are pretty horrendous. The audio book's a bit easier to listen to because you can get through the stories when somebody else is reading it to you. But the reason it's hard to listen to and it's hard to read is because it's nearly impossible to believe in the depravity of communism and what they did to those people. So if, you, if you're a little bit unsure and you think I'm full of hot air and you think that, oh, there's not going to be a war with China, you're crazy, Rob, what are you talking about? What do you know about that? Just go ahead and, and go and read that book. Remember, that's the most influential book of the 20th century because it's partly responsible for the fall of the Soviet Union because he was the person who got out, wrote the book and really shone the spotlight on what communism is and what it does in Russia or in the Soviet Union at the time. So... Go, go back and read a little bit of history and it's happening right now. Alexander's journey into the gulag back in the day, it all sounds really alarmingly similar to the re-education camps in China right now. And if you think I'm being alarmist or I'm just, I'm just promoting some right-wing propaganda or I'm saying something that I've, I've heard or read in the media or seen in the media... Yeah, maybe a little bit because those reports have to come from somewhere. But if you look at the history of how these things are happening to these people, it's very similar to what happened in the Soviet Union in the in the late 1930s. Well, in fact, they were putting people in the gulags long before that. So I really encourage you to go and read that book because if we're staring down the barrel of a kinetic conflict with China and the leader says he wants to bring back Stalinist-type rule stalinist type communism it's important that you understand exactly what that means i don't want you to turn away from this stuff or turn this off because it's ugly or because you don't like it or because you disagree with me i want you to face up to it because it's history repeating itself and it's not about the left shouting down the right or the right shouting down the left or anything about division i'm not trying to polarize or divide what i see is i see history repeating itself and when i look at what's ahead in the start stop continue drill i see this stuff and and i see history repeating itself and sadly each and every one of us we're all going to be caught in the crossfire of the chinese communist party 
And if you think that statement's over the top, just think about the lockdowns, the destruction of our economic, the destruction of our economies and all of the businesses that have failed and all of the people that have died. The chaos of 2020 is because of the Chinese Communist Party. And I don't buy into these conspiracy theories that this was all planned and it's Bill Gates and it's all of those things because the reality on the ground is this thing came out of China. However it got there, whether it came from a lab or it's real, what it doesn't matter. The reality is it came out of China and the Chinese Communist Party have been responsible for what's happened here in 2020 with this pandemic. Remember that there's only four things, only four things that touch each and every single person on this planet. There's only four things that can do that. First one is an asteroid strike because that would affect each and every one of us. The second one is a nuclear war. The third one is a pandemic. And the fourth one is climate change. And we all know how radically this pandemic has changed our world. Every man, woman on, and child on this planet has been affected by this pandemic, which has been caused by communism. It originated in a communist country. It got out of control in a communist country. And the people responsible for letting it get out were communists whether that was on purpose or not is irrelevant where it came from is irrelevant the chinese communist party is responsible for it so as i look ahead to 2021 what is it that i expect will happen well all conflicts start with a blockade and sanctions i was part of blockades and sanctions while i was in the navy and i don't think this one will be any different i think it will just be on a much bigger scale so china as I see it, they'll be cut off from the Malacca Straits, which will be relatively simple to do because it's not very big. Gets pretty blocked up in there pretty quickly. They'll be there. They'll be blocked off from the Indian Ocean, so no more fuel out of the Persian Gulf, no more oil. That gets shut down pretty quickly. They'll be blocked to the north by Japan and the Russians, and they'll be shut down to the east by the American carrier battle groups over there as well. And the triggers for a blockade like this could be something like illegal fishing boats in the Philippines waters or in the Japanese territorial waters. Both of those governments have had enough of the, they've had enough of those encroachments into their waters and sooner or later there's gonna someone's gonna start shooting. And that that's gonna end up like, hey, we told you, get out of our waters, no more fishing here. And while I was in the Navy I, I saw that. While I was in the Navy, I was, I was part of um, Operation Damask in 1996 when we went to the Persian Gulf, enforcing the southern no-fly zone. And we were part of the, um, the, the, task, the task group there that was responsible for enforcing the UN sanctions against Iraq. So I know how this rolls. I know what it's all about. The other scenario that might trigger a blockade um, is, a, is a full-blown attempt to retake Taiwan. If they're posturing for something like that, which they seem to posture for it all the time, if they're posturing for that, um, then a blockade might stop it before it actually begins. The other thing that you can't ignore as well is these Chinese Communist Party people are horrible. They're awful. They're the most horrible people on the planet because they don't play by our rules. They don't play by international law. And they have a, you may or may not know, you might've seen the footage, they have a fleet of 12,000 illegal fishing boats and because they, are, they don't care about the environment, they don't care about anything but themselves, they send that illegal fishing flotilla to invade other parts of the world. They've done it in the Galapagos Islands, they've done it to the north 
in, in and around Russia. They do it in and around Korea all the time. There's been people shot at there all the time. All sorts of stuff is happening. And you can't ignore the, the chances that the Chinese Communist Party might bring their 12,000 illegal fishing boats and their, their naval-bound militia to try and cause havoc right on the doorstep of Northern Australia. Now, the navies of the Quad, which is India, the US, Australia, and Japan, and then there'll be South Korea, Indonesia, and a couple of other countries as well. Those folks will do the blockade pretty easily. Their navies will be able to shut that down. And to, we're already doing that in the Indian Ocean. We already do that in the Arabian Gulf, and we're very successful at it. And this will be no different. It'll just be on a much bigger scale. We already own those important parts of the ocean to the north, the south, the east. And the CCP, these idiots lack a proper blue water navy, which will see them unable to do anything to limit a blockade, especially when it's at range, when we're a long way from their mainland where they can encroach and they can attack us. We just surround them and cut them off. So the only thing that they can really do to stop the blockade is start shooting. And if they start shooting at our navies and, and a coalition that we have, then that's when the conflict will escalate. So cutting them off economically is absolutely crushing for their population. And, you know, everyday Chinese people are the ones that suffer from something like that. It doesn't affect governments because people in government still get to eat. But if there's no food, fuel, oil, coal, all of those things, the people that suffer are the population. In, 19, in the 1990s in Iraq, even today in Iran, and there's so many other countries around the world that don't comply with international law and there's sanctions against them, it's crippling. It's crippling, it's damaging, it's very, very bad, and ultimately it is detrimental to the populations of those countries, and ultimately it doesn't always work. And that's a problem because the Chinese Communist Party won't want to lose face. They won't want to lose face in, in when they're faced excuse the, the lack of language skills there, when they're faced with the, the blockades that are shutting their economies down and, and really damaging their populace. So there's really one of two things that they'll do. They'll either try and retake Taiwan or they'll start shooting back at the naval blockade. And either scenario will end badly for them because we've just got more and better than what they have. So there's just no real chance that they can win from a naval perspective. It just it won't happen. The difference in this conflict even if we sink their entire navy in the first couple of days of the war, which is possible, the difference in this conflict is their cyber capability and their embedded CCP members in every single country of the world. And my biggest fear is that if these, if these Communist Party idiots get painted into a corner from a military perspective and there's nothing that they can do, they might use a nuke to try and sink some carrier battle groups. Who knows? And who knows what would happen if they tried to do something like that. That's a, you know, a doomsday type scenario that's scary, scary type stuff. And I think that's part of the reason that we're not in conflict with them now. But the escalation of what we're seeing over the last couple of months is pointing towards something like that. And unless we have conversations like this, unless we bring this to the attention of normal people, Something like this will happen and you'll be left scratching your head going, how the hell did that happen? What the hell? So what, is it, what does any of this mean to a normal person like you or I that it's not in the military? Well, first of all, it means massive uncertainty 
around a lot of different things in 2021. And that's, I started out by saying that I think 2021 is going to be more difficult than 2020, but in a different way. And you're really going to have to commit and you're going to have to go all in. You really, you're going to have to like never, ever before. What I would say about that uncertainty is that you need to plan for the worst case scenarios and hopefully none of that plays out and expect the best. Plan for the worst case doomsday scenario and hope that it never happens. Then you'll be ready. And, you know, what it really comes down to is this. You can really sum it up in a couple of sentences. It comes down to this. You need to work out a way that you can insulate yourself from the economic turmoil that a war would create. So forget about going to war and being shot by a communist soldier for a second. And just think about your life as a normal person in society in the suburb where you live. If war did break out tomorrow, how would it affect you? Probably wouldn't. But there's such negative sentiment in economies all the time. People stop buying, people stop selling. There's a whole bunch of things that happen all the time. And we've seen that in spades this year with the pandemic. It's been, it's like nothing none of us have ever experienced before. And if this turns into a kinetic war, the economic turmoil that it creates is like, it's going to be unlike anything that we've ever seen before. So I ask you, what is it that you're doing right now? Are you, have you got a plan that will insulate you from the economic turmoil that a war like that would create? And what can you do to make sure that you have money coming in for your family no matter what happens? Because money is the fuel for your family. It's food, shelter, the essentials that you need to live. And if you don't have a plan, then it could be a real a real big problem for you. So if this pandemic has shown us anything, what it's done is it's shown how ill-prepared we have all been for something as crushing economically as this pandemic. I know for me, the doomsday of the pandemic that shut the photography business down is something that I never planned for. Sure, I had a bit tucked away for a rainy day and I, I planned a little bit for my business if things were not so great, but what would you do if the whole thing went away? I'm just, I was left scratching my head wondering, wondering what to do. Didn't know what to do. Your ability to insulate yourself from economic turmoil like this and your ability to pivot at the same time and change before you need to, that's going to be your key to survival. Not stocking up on food and fuel and weapons and ammunition. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of it and hopefully it doesn't come to that. But your ability to insulate yourself from the outside circumstances, you need to start thinking about that now. And I guess back in the Back in the old days, before we lived in cities like we do today and we lived in farms and it was more rural, you would harvest the crop in, uh, in autumn or in summertime and you'd, you'd put that crop away in a, in a grain house and you'd had food, fuel, shelter, whatever you needed for the wintertime when things were a bit tougher. And I think in modern society, we've just forgotten about that. And the pandemic has, has highlighted that we need to do that a little bit more but if there's a potential war around the corner and a kinetic war like we've never seen before that will come to your doorstep, what is it that you're doing to prepare? So it's a really important question to ask yourself because looking ahead to 2021, I do have a bit of a, maybe a bit of a dimmer view, a darker view of it than what most people do. And that's just because of the things that I read and hang out with and, and the people I hang out with and the, and the types of uh, content that I expose myself to. And that that's, got to do with my interests so what look war and conflict are part of human nature 
and it's part of the human experience, but most people never have to experience it. And that's a good thing. You know, my hope is that nobody ever has to experience. And my hope is that I'm completely wrong about what I'm saying here, but all of the indicators to me are pointing towards something actually really bad happening. And I don't like to ignore those facts. It doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. It doesn't. It, it really doesn't. If you think I'm a crazy person saying this stuff on this podcast, then sure. Just take a, just right now, take some time to think about, hey, what if he is right? What if, what if that really did happen? What if that crazy doomsday scenario did happen? What would I do? That's all I want you to do. That's what I want you to take away from this. Because I don't want you, I want you to think about that now, not when the first shot is fired. So look, whether you agree with me or not, let me ask you, if I'm right and it does indeed turn kinetic, what are you going to do to be ready and how can you position yourself, your business and your family to safely take advantage of any upside that might be there for the taking? Because there's always an upside and I haven't talked about that. You know, For all the bad stuff that's going on, the world lives in polarity. There's a whole bunch of good stuff too. So it's worthwhile taking just a few minutes to consider the possibilities, no matter how crazy you think what I'm saying actually is. I, look, I truly, like I said many times, I truly hope that I'm wrong and I hope there's no war. I hope there's an end to all wars, but I'm a realist. And I like to think that I've learned the lessons from my mistakes in the past and I've read enough history books and I've been part of history enough to know that these things can and may happen and they do happen. So as we leave 2020 behind us, and we look forward to 2021, I ask you to consider your results, the reasons why you have them, and your response. What are your three R's? What are your results? What are the reasons? And what's your response to them? For me, the results have been solid. The reason is because of hard work, commitment, and the ability to pivot. And my response to it all is to double down and go all in for next year because what I'm doing is working. What I need to do is to do more of it. Now that I have my debrief in, my three R's done, what is it that I need to start, stop and continue? That's how I look at this. And this is me planning my year and reflecting my, reflecting on the year behind me and looking towards the future. So what I need to start doing, I need to be more methodical about how, who I get into deals with. And I need to, I need to be remunerated properly for any input into any deals that I have. And using the filters that I mentioned earlier, I think it'll be a way for me to do it. So what is it that I need to stop doing? What's the lesson that I learned this year? I need to stop giving my time for free. And finally, what is it that I need to continue doing? I need to keep pushing and keep working because like the saying goes, it's been very true for me. The harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. And that's been so unbelievably true for me. Now, finally, today, as I close out this podcast, I want you to consider your three R's and your start, stops, and continues. And the final question for you today on the podcast, not just as it relates to a potential conflict, but in your life in general, which side, this is the question, which side of history in 2021 are you going to be on? Are you going to be ready and prepared for anything? Or are you going to be watching on with disbelief, wondering, how on earth did we actually get here? Ladies and gentlemen, have a happy new year. 2020 is finished. It's behind us. Let's look forward to a more prosperous 2021. And let's go and have some fun. Enjoy the celebrations and I'll see you next year. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode complete. So thanks for tuning in today. And if you want to find out more and any of the detail about anything that I covered on the podcast today, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links are right there in the show notes for your convenience. Also, if you've got a question, a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out to me via the AMA page and share your thoughts and questions and Don't forget, you can ask my guests any questions you've got there as well. So if you've been listening to some back episodes and you've got some questions or some comments or some feedback, just pop on over to the AMA page and you can find the link right there in the show notes for you as well. Don't forget, you can get your free copy of my best-selling masterclass and that's worth $149 and I'm giving that to you for free. Just head on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. And that link is also right there in the show notes for you. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time. Better say something that will change my mind Gotta give me something Cause I'm not blind Wasting time